Hello and welcome back to Restaurant Planet Podcasts with me, your host Jack Cole, for our uh, Christmas New Year special. Today I'm joined by Uma uh, Oliwoko from Adorama Hills Sustainable Tourism Initiative in Western Kenya. So Uma, welcome. And we might start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your work and your background. Okay, thank you very much, Jack, uh, for taking this opportunity to host me. It's a pleasure to be hosted by uh, Restore Our Planet. And I allow me to thank you so, so much for the fantastic work that you're doing to highlight uh, individuals behind organizations that are passionately committed to the work of nature conservation and sustainability. Uh, as you've said, uh, for the sake of the audience, my name is Oma Uwoko. I'm a Kenyan and living in Kenya. Uh, my background is I'm a tour operator. I started uh, tours and travels. And uh, this is something that has been in me since I was a child, back in the lovely environment of Lake Nevasha, where I was born and where I grew up. So I went to school. That's where I began my tourism studies, and that's where I also began uh, my career. Uh, back then, in those years, there used to be a lot of wild animals around us. Uh, right now, as you drive from the Western Kenya to Nairobi, the capital city of Kenya, you still see a few wildlife alongside the highway. It's simply because uh, both ranches on the left and the right side of the highway have been fenced off with very tiny migration corridors for wildlife to go through. And uh, I believe that uh, the friendless nature of my operations, which initially began as a walking safari company, is what contributed to me having a feeling for wildlife and being uh, sympathetic that sometimes animals don't go through what they're supposed to be going. Now, um, back to our organization. It's actually uh, Oluoko's signature, which is a sustainable travel company offering uh, responsible holiday solutions to guests in Kenya, <coughs> Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, and uh, the much not well known, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, why maybe a tour company as a business going into uh, conservation? It's simply because our program is heavily themed around nature, it's nature-based. So without nature, uh, all tour companies in Kenya actually, or many tour companies in Africa in this case, will be there running in a profitable business. We rely on birds, we rely on the big five, we rely on the big seven, we rely even on the small 11. All these animals are what actually make us to be in the tourism business. <clears throat> now, uh, at Ulukos, we saw that there was need to take care of nature alongside benefiting from nature. And for that reason, we formed or we discovered the Adarema Hills. Uh, Adarema Hills, which is an escarpment 
ranges of mountains that are sloping from Mount Elgon. Mount Elgon is Kenya's second highest peak after Mount Kenya. Unfortunately, it's not known. Uh, many people don't know much about uh, Mount Elgon. And uh, Adarema Hills is uh, our low impact or positive impact project, whereby we believe that you can give guests a rich experience and at the same time, the community can get a living from it while equally taking care of nature. Uh, Local signature is a very simple model. We call it the three C's concepts. <clears throat> One is we are looking at everything in terms of conservation. And uh, when you mention the word conservation, then you cannot work without communities. And with the communities, for them to understand and accept conserve, we are looking at the gains. So there is the commercialization aspect. So we are looking at commerce. So we are guided by the three pillars of the three C's concept. That's what makes us unique uh, from our competitors. Uh, thank you. No, fantastic. That's a, that's a nice way to start. Would you mind explaining a little bit more about what makes Adorama Hills significant and why you've chosen this location to focus your work on? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Kenya is a, a lovely safari destination and uh, globally we are known for the big five safari. We are known for the beach and sand. We are known for the Maasai culture. We are known for the Samburu culture. And also, but sorry, sorry, very quickly, sorry to interrupt. Do you mind also explaining what are the big five? I think you also mentioned the big seven. And did you say there was 11 as well? Do you mind just going into a little bit what those species are, what people can mm -hmm. see uh, in Kenya, for those who yeah. might not already know? Yeah, Kenya, uh, I'll just repeat. Kenya is uh, well known as a safari destination, not only in Africa, but, uh, but globally. And this is uh, traditionally for uh, beach and sun because of the Indian Ocean uh, uh, beaches. And then also for the fantastic, the big, uh, the, 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 the big five in our national parks, in our game parks and our nature, uh, uh, national reserves. And uh, when you look at... Uh, Western Kenya, in this case, we don't have the big five per se. Uh, so traditionally, if you must talk about tourism, then you're looking at Nairobi towards the coast, where we have southeast, southwest, towards the south, where we have the Amboseli, bordering Namanga, uh, bordering Tanzania, uh, towards southwest, where we have the Masai Mara again, bordering Tanzania, and towards Mount Kenya, uh, where we have uh, Mount Kenya National Park. We have the Lake Kipia and the Super Rich Conservancies. Now, if you take half of Kenya and try coming towards the left of the Rift Valley, you end up with the Rift Valley Great Lakes, Lake Nevasha, Lake Elmetaita, Lake Nakuru, Lake Bogoria, Lake Solai, and much smaller lakes. So beyond those lakes, we completely have a very different countryside. And this countryside, has never seen 
light. It has never been highlighted when it comes to tourism-related matters. Now, uh, we have to be honest uh, with ourselves and simply uh, acknowledge that the conservation efforts that has been put by authorities in that part of Kenya is very significant. They have lions, they have um, buffaloes, they have the leopard, they have the elephant, and they have the rhino. That makes the big five. Luckily enough, again, they have giraffe and they have hippopotamus. That makes the big seven. But then, unfortunately, when the country was being demarcated for nature conservation, there was a very big error. I call it injustice. Injustice not only to the individuals or to the, uh, to the citizens of Kenya, this part of half Kenya that's not well known, but injustice to wildlife. Why am I saying this? Up to now, or as of now, 85% uh, of wildlife in Kenya and in many countries in Africa are living outside the protected areas. And I know that's going to be another debate. Why 85% and you have all the elephants and giraffes in those parts? I, I appreciate. But then here we have birds, whereby no boundaries, no barrier can deter birds from flying out unless it's a cage bird. <clears throat> and a good example, uh, during the migration time uh, in the UK or in most, most of Europe, the birds are in Africa with us. And birds come all the way to Antarctic, all the way to Russia, Kenya. Now, it means that the birds that are in Kenya in these protected areas can easily fly in and fly out. They could be roosting in the park, but feeding outside the park, like roosting in the protected areas, but feeding in the unprotected areas. So they are danger. Their numbers will keep on decreasing. As long as they go out of the unprotected areas, the numbers will keep on decreasing. Uh, we also have uh, reptiles. Most of the reptiles are not in the protected uh, are not in the protected areas. They also tend to be even in our backyard where we have rodents. As long as there are rodents, as long as there are lizards, there will be some reptiles around. Uh, we are also looking at frogs and tadpoles. All these look at any little pool of water to them that will be a home. And we have lots of insects, right from the admirable dragonflies to the notorious mosquitoes that live in our very own, 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 own rooms. Those ones, you cannot protect them and put a fence around the protected area. So it's, it's leaving a very big gap uh, when I say that uh, Western Kenya as a whole has Four national parks. Four and uh, four. Uh, we are we are talking of Ruma National Park. That is a special park for the protection of roan antelope. As in, in Kenya, the only place where you can see uh, the horse-sized uh, antelope is in the Ron and uh, is in Roma National Park. Then we are talking of Mount Elgo National Park, that is historically known to have 
12 going elephants. Every night, hundreds of elephants venture into cave to ceremoniously look for mineral salts. And that's a spectacle. I think that in Kenya, uh, it's only Mount Elgon where that one is known to be happening. And then we talk of uh, Saiwa Swamp National Park, which is actually the smallest national park in Kenya. And that is specifically for the protection of Sitatunga, which is a semi-aquatic antelope, also only well known from Western Kenya. And uh, we have Nderi Island National Park, which is Kenya's only island national park in Western Kenya. That's in the world's second largest water body, Lake Victoria. We have Nderi Island National Park. Now, uh, for Mount Elgon, what they have is originally theirs. For Ruma National Park, there has been an introduction, a reintroduction of, uh, of some other animals, namely zebras <clears throat> and uh, namely black and white rhinos, and they're thriving very well. And also they brought back uh, the Rothschild giraffes, which is originally Western Kenya's giraffe, uh, because of uh, poaching or because the future was a question a few of them were translocated from uh, the original home to Lake Naku National Park that now acts as the breeding sanctuary and has the highest number of Rothschild giraffes in Kenya. But originally, Rothschild giraffes in Kenya belong to Western Kenya. So when we look at uh, those uh, demographics, uh, then we find that uh, there was a lot of injustice that took place, whereby Western Kenya's wildlife, Western Kenya's troublesome wildlife were taken to safer heavens somewhere else. But uh, this one eat birds big time because birds are not easy, uh, <clears throat> are not easy. Actually, birds are very expensive to translocate because you need to catch about a thousand birds at any given time. And that's not easy. And birds are smart enough, like you may take them 400 kilometers away and they fly back simply because they can fly all the way from Russia to Africa and back. So birds are smart. Now, Alderema Hills is very special to us. This is simply because Western Kenya is not known for the big five per se, but it's known for other animals that are very difficult to find in those big parks. The big parks are teeming with lions, cheetahs, hyenas, and all top hunters top of the chain hunters. Uh, Western Kenya, outside the protected areas, we don't have these cats. Like uh, we have fewer hyenas, we have very few leopards, we don't have lions, we don't have cheetahs. So the small sized rodents, the small sized cats, the small sized uh, game birds are actually thriving very well in Western Kenya. But again, Western Kenya has endemic species of birds that if you're a bird watcher, you'll never find anywhere else in Kenya. So if you're a birder, you come to Kenya, you start at the coast, you go to Savo, you go to Masai Mara, you do the Rift Valley, you do some pockets uh, around, uh, uh, around Western Kenya, but you don't come to Western Kenya, then believe you me, you still have about 30, 
to 47 species of birds that you must, you'll only see if you choose to come to Western Kenya. And this is where Aderema Hills uh, comes in. I'm a bird watcher myself, and I've been doing birding since I was a, a, a young boy. And uh, most of our guests, or a, a reasonable number of our guests, are also bird watchers. And when we discovered the Aderema Hills, it was because Western Kenya remains as one of the least budded areas in Kenya. Western Kenya remains as one of the least known destinations in Kenya. Even culturally, what we have, other people don't have, yet it's not known. And uh, Aderemo is a classical example of actually what used to be originally Western Kenya. Being very close to Uganda or at the proximity with Uganda, uh, researchers and uh, budding ornithological authorities had already dismissed some species of birds by simply saying, formerly used to be at this location, but it got expatriated. Now you can only see it in Eastern Uganda. Now, the interesting thing here is that I'm five kilometers away from Uganda. And uh, now we're in Western Kenya, but very close to Eastern Uganda. So there is a mix up of ecosystem and species cutting across the two countries. And this is what has given the Aderema Hills a classical example that actually nature can thrive in much smaller pockets, which we thought they had already been expatriated. As we speak, uh, we have about 13 bird species that if you come to Western Kenya, this small part of the country where you are told that you can sit here, if you come and you don't use our services, chances of you seeing these birds are like below 30%. Mm -hmm. If you contact us and you use us, our services, we know exactly where they are because we interact with these birds on a weekly basis. We've been collecting data. We've managed to bring in a few uh, birders. We've managed to bring in a few researchers who really know what they want, who really know that these birds are here. And some of these birds calls, if you go to eBird, the calls are missing simply because as much as maybe they've been photographed, elsewhere in Africa, the calls have not been recorded. As much as they've been uh, photographed elsewhere in Africa, the breeding records have not been found. So Adarema Hills is not only a hill, but it's a hill that supports some birds mm. that you must work hard to get. A few species to name includes whistling cisticola. Of which, if you go to in uh, Western Kenya, they'll talk of Samia Hills, Katutoi Hills, <coughs> Aderema Hills. Actually, those are the perfect locations. Again, uh, we are talking of the black bellied firefinch, which is a bird that call is still lacking on eBird. It, it has an audio on eBird. Uh, we, we've got some audios, but they are yet to be accepted by Ebert, <coughs> I mean, Ebert. Then we have uh, 
uh, the, uh, we have the speckle-breasted woodpecker, which is a very difficult bird to see. It's now only in eastern Uganda and in the better part of Uganda, formerly in western Kenya. Like last year, we managed to see two records at our location. <clears throat> this year, we've seen it once, our location. <clears throat> so it means, yes, they are here. And we have uh, quite uh, a number of uh, similar birds. So thank you. you said, thank you, Nathaki, for running uh, Detailing Work so thoroughly. So you mentioned there that people who, you know, perhaps bird watchers or tourists who want to see certain species, they only have, I think you said less than a 30% chance of seeing certain things without your services. I wonder if you could explain a little bit exactly what it is your services <coughs> are um, and the expertise that you have and, and how that works. Uh, as I said, we are a tour operator. Uh, two operators work uh, in terms working on the logistics from the country of the guest origin to the destination country, the point of arrival, all the logistics from the airport to the hotel, and then day-to-day -day running of the safari. In the day-to-day -day running of the safari, we have the accommodation aspect, we have the mails, we have activities to be undertaken. So on a daily basis, uh, you find that uh, if you're a guest, then you are accompanied by a guide, a professional guide. Now, on most of the bird watching safaris, it's either Christine, who's my co-director and also my spouse, or me, or myself, we accompany our bird watching guests. Like most of our bird watching guests are handled uh, by us. That's simply because of uh, the first hand information that we have, the passion that we share. With the, with the guests and uh, above everything, uh, the experience uh, whereby the director is not sitting comfortably in the office, but the director is out there with you so that you get uh, the real side of the picture. So we have uh, on a weekly basis, we do buddy, uh, whether we have guests or we don't have guests, like we visit Adelema Hills more often, even tomorrow in the morning by six and in the Adelema Hills. And this one is normally for the purpose of uh, updating our eBird checklist and for the purpose of just like finding uh, which species is getting difficult to see, which species is much easier to see, which species has moved where and like how far uh, from uh, our initial acreage that we call ours. So hey. that's what it entails. To see the birds. Those are the services that we offer. So a theme that we've covered a few times in this podcast, especially within the African context, is the conflict between development, urbanization, and conservation, species, habitat protection, those those sorts of things. And I was wondering if you go into a little bit more um, the projects you're involved with regarding communities and conservation and how that's managed and how that's been developing and uh, how that works for the protection of, of of certain species. <clears throat> okay, thank you very much, Jack. Uh, it's worth to note that uh, <clears throat> the man first attitude is, is, is a very bad syndrome. Uh, we've seen where we are seeing development and seen development in Kenya, whereby before you construct a house, you have to clear all the trees and change the topography. And uh, once your, your your house is done, you start replanting non-indigenous trees you introduce grass, you do a lot of alteration to the environment, like you bring a completely new environment 
to the backyard of what originally was natural. <clears throat> that one directly impacts the balance of the ecosystem directly. Uh, there is no any other way. And uh, it, 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 it brings the friction about development and conservation. And because development is done by man, not birds, not buffaloes, not elephants, not butterflies, it's, it's man to be checked. Now, there are so many ways, I call them incentives of, of checking man. And uh, one of the incentives of checking man is actually, uh, if you conserve, what are the benefits to nature itself? What are benefits to you as man? Then if we reach a compromise, then can we talk 50-50, uh, like a win-win situation when it comes to conservation? Or do we go full blast and do unsustainable agriculture? Or do we simply ignore man and simply go that we want one life, not man? So we need to create an atmosphere <clears throat> where both man and nature can coexist in a harmony. And this is something that has been done in other parts of the world. South America has done it. It's, it's, it's done uh, well in Tanzania. It's done well in uh, Kenya, around Mount Kenya, around Masai Mara. There are very good projects that are actually successful, but the only difference with those projects is that they are more on the big five. In Western Kenya, we, where we are, we don't have the big five, we don't have a lion, we don't have leopard, we don't have the buffalo, we don't have a rhino. We have other animals, we have other birds. Now, our case, is easy. We simply use tourism as a, a, an agent of change. We believe in operations that tourism unites. We believe in operations that tourism impacts positive changes, both directly and indirectly. We believe that through tourism, we can conserve the ecosystems for the greater benefits not only of the tourists, but even the community. We believe that through tourism, we can tackle climate change. We can reverse, and we can actually ensure that uh, uh, the carbon that's emitted is reduced. Uh, through tourism, we believe that we can impact on economies GDP. And a good example is where we are, whereby every single part of Adarema Hills are being opened up for farming. These are very steep hills and valleys. And in case of uh, slash and burn practice for the purpose or for the sake of opening farmlands, when it rains, uh, all the topsoil and the base soil get washed get swept. And that means like in two, three, four years time, the farming on that ground is not possible because all trees are gone, <clears throat> all the grass gone, and even the smaller rocks are gone. Um, 
when this happening, people will move, man will move from a plot A to plot B. So how many years are we looking at before maybe the entire hill is converted to an artificial desert? Not millions of years, we're only talking of uh, some 20, 30, at most 50. Uh, through tourism, like our, our program, <clears throat> we are engaging everyone at the community. And we've offered training opportunities to both women and men to offer tour guide services. Because as I told you, me and my spouse as directors, we cannot be tour guides everywhere. And sometimes we also believe that it's good to let those people with the local knowledge to share it with the guests at a fee. <clears throat> because they are the guides, they are the community guides, they are paid directly. Uh, Adarema Hills has no accommodation facility as of now. And it's 12 kilometers from where the interview is taking place. This is the office and this is the house. Uh, Adarema Hills location and accessibility limits full enjoyment of the guests because there is no accommodation facility. So that created an opportunity to the community. So our guests normally spend the night in the homestay programs of the communities that is in their homes. So they're not the four stars or five stars facilities, but you're guaranteed that you'll have a comfortable night, enjoy sight and sounds the village. Uh, you're guaranteed of some traditional cuisine and it's a gourmet signature of Western Kenya hosted by the Iteso tribe. And it has some amazing sunrises and amazing sunsets if the weather allows. On top of that, it has fantastic views of Mount Elgon, either throughout the day or for the better part of the day, or as long as the weather is right, you can see Mount Elgon from Adrema Hills. You can view, you can see the plains below that sweeps all the way into Uganda. And at night, it has amazing skies. In the morning, it gets very misty. So it's like you're in, a, in, in the clouds. And uh, the Adarema has tall standing boulders. Some of the boulders are as tall as 40 feet. Yeah. So at night, during the moonlight, you are more like in a, a ghost city. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, 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 it's a lovely, it's, it's a lovely place. So uh, other benefits that the community gets through our program is uh, crafts. Like uh, right now, we have a partnership <coughs> with uh, some friends in uh, America, and uh, the community is making crafts using sustainably harvested uh, natural materials to make or to create some baskets, some earrings, some envelopes, and all these are going into the European and the American market. It's a, something that we're beginning around February, but we've already put everything in place 
the market is there. Uh, we are working on now how this can, can, can begin. Uh, we are also improving the infrastructure, uh, accessibility, the drainage system, tackling acceleration, reforestation, like we are encouraging the community not to change the non-indigenous trees with the indigenous trees. The place is very rich with indigenous trees, and that's what's giving it an advantage when it comes to having like a very pristine or having a very virgin ecosystem. And then last on the same, communities also participate in traditional dances as a form of entertainment and all these benefits go to them. And lastly, we have volunteering programs whereby we have people volunteering for locals, uh, for, for locals through Adarema remotely. And from next year, around October, November, we have some uh, students, PhD students from a university in the Netherlands who will be coming to do environmental monitoring, understand the ecosystem like which birds, which reptiles, what the hidden cameras can show. So I believe that uh, by next year, December, we'll be seeing the better side of Aderema's uh, wildlife, birds and everything. Yeah. As of now, we, we, are, we, we have very limited equipment to get all this right to the public. We only do what we can, but uh, we are uh, under Brilliant, fantastic. Um, wow, you've, that, you've really gone into detail there. There's so much, so lots of exciting uh, work going on. And well, finally, Uma, just just a sort of little brief brief summary to to finish things off. Where would you like to see things develop or future trends for the next sort of three to four to five years for for Adorama and your, your conservation work? Uh, thank you very much, Jack. Uh, for the Adarema, it's a long story and it's a long way. Uh, there has not be, been, uh, there's not been a goodwill uh, from uh, the national government to market Western Kenya the way it's supposed to be marketed. If you Google Western Kenya tourism, you'll find very little information. <clears throat> so I don't want to put this to the government. I don't want to blame them for not doing that. Equally, <clears throat> when it comes to conservation, what you are doing is the first individually and community-owned conservation venture that's taking place in Western Kenya. As in, no community has taken an ecosystem conservation seriously the way we have taken it. So this is the first and the only one, and if it succeeds, it will open up an avenue, possibly for many more to be to, to, to be put in place, to be replicated. Uh, with the Western Kenya and Adarema, it relies heavily on the traffic. How many people know Western Kenya? And how well do they know Western Kenya? That's one. Two. For what reasons? Is it for good reasons or for bad reasons? If it's for good reasons, we are lucky. Unfortunately, Western Kenya is known for very bad reasons. These bad reasons are long-time historical injustices that don't exist anymore. 
if you come here, <clears throat> and for all the guests who've been coming here, it's like, wow, what a beautiful countryside. But how comes Kenya Tourism Board is not talking about this? And you tell them, okay, they have the traditions of way, they have their way of marketing Kenya. And this is also our way of marketing the other side of Kenya. <clears throat> uh, we are blessed to only be 12 kilometers away from the highway that goes into Uganda. And every day we can count about seven overland trucks either going into Uganda for the gorillas and the River Nile or coming to Kenya from the gorillas and the River Nile, coming to Kenya for the Masai Mara and other places. <clears throat> so that is almost some traffic. We also see a number of uh, private tourists crossing over into Uganda and crossing over into Kenya from Uganda. So at least you're talking of like there is some traffic. Or one of the one of the reasons why Adarema is there is actually to ease off pressure from the already popular destinations, from the already oversold destinations in Kenya. And these destinations, we know them. Masai Mara is one of them. Savos are some of those names. The animals in those parks have even changed their characters because of too much pressure from tour drivers and tourists that contributes to the interference when it comes to their hunting, their feeding program, their breeding program, and some of the cats are not safe in some four parks because of high number of tourists or constant tourists presence with all these raving engines, with all the fumes to the environment. But that's not my chapter, that's a story for another day. Uh, Adarema, we are creating a low impact, a low positive impact ecotourism venture where we can control the number of guests that you want. We are not interested in a thousand people. We are not interested in being a big name. We are not interested in being a destination that rips off from the community and not giving back to nature. We are interested in what we can account for. We are interested in what can be made possible within the available means, within what is doable right, within what is justified to the community, and what can be replicated to other places. That is a long way. It's not something that you can dream of today and uh, it begins tomorrow. So as we are having even the traffic, like this house is 50 meters from the main highway that goes to Uganda, the numbers are actually not coming to Adarema, simply because Adarema is not known, and simply because Western Kenya is not known. And the minute you say, you tell any guest Western Kenya, they think that it's another country, neighboring Kenya. Western Kenya is not another country neighboring Kenya. It is a tourist circuit called Western Kenya, and it is the geographical compass direction called Western Kenya, and it is where the sun sets the West. So that's what makes Western Kenya. Thank you, Iba. Thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful speaking to you.